Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of CityWalk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with CityWalk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search CityWalk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Happy New Year! Morning. Morning, those of you that are watching online. Glad that you're with us as well. Uh, our family, uh, during Christmas, uh, we had a chance this, this uh, time around to stay home. I uh, hope that you, over whether you stayed home or whether you had, this was kind of your year to travel, I hope that you had a really good Christmas. I hope you had a good New Year's, that you stayed fairly dry. Uh, I know half our city doesn't have power today. I heard and this is sad if you could say a prayer for me, that in and out is out of power. And that's, that's what I do after church every Sunday, so I don't know what I'm going to do if, if uh, we're, our, our family's going to be a mess if we don't have in and out to go to. But that's actually not in my notes, but if you would say a prayer. Uh, but I hope you did. I hope you had a good Christmas, a good New Year. Uh, I know for me in this kind of season, when I try to take a, a week or so off, have you noticed that it's tough? to get away from work when you try to take some time off. I mean, we live in a day and age where you literally get your email on your watch. And so to kind of turn things off for a a week or for a few days to, to kind of focus on your family and rest, you have to be very intentional about it. For me, I have basically I have two email addresses that I use. I have the one I use with church and then I have kind of a Gmail address that I, it's kind of the one that I, if I'm signing up for something, that's the one that I, I put in. And so, man, after a week of taking time off, and you probably experience this too, you go back to work and you open up that email for the first time. And there are, especially my Gmail account, there's like 500 emails waiting for you. And for me, I'm the type, I have the type of personality that I have to have zero emails in my, uh, like, my wife, she literally has, if you look at her phone right now, 30,000 unread emails. And, it, and you know what? She's not losing one ounce of sleep over that. For me, if it says seven unread emails, I'm like, the world might end. I got to get these read and processed. And so, so for me, I have, to, I have to work through those. And so as I was working through uh, kind of all these emails, I noticed there was a theme to a lot of the advertisements that I was getting in my email. And it was, they were books, they were programs, they were systems that were to help you set goals, to help you move forward in the new year. It was like every company I ever signed up for a newsletter from, man, they had a product you could buy and they sent you 12 emails about the product that would help you in their mind move forward in some area of your life. And for me, I kind of geek out at the beginning of the year when I get like the new planner and I can put checklists together. And so that's kind of, I kind of like that. For you, you might be like, nah, that's not really my style. I enjoy just kind of taking life however it comes. And I don't really care about all that kind of stuff. And so either way, and maybe you would say, no, I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. 
Whether you're the type of person that, man, at the beginning of the year was, was, man, signing up for all those products and getting your planner all ready and setting your goals, or if you're the person that says, you know, that's not quite as important, I just want to take life as it comes, or maybe somewhere there in the middle, doesn't matter where you fit, doesn't even matter where you fit as it relates to faith. Probably every single one of us, in some way, wants to move forward this year in our life. And so I have a question. It's a real personal question. And I want, I want you to answer this question as, as honestly as you can in your mind. And it's a question about our relationship with God as we think about the new year. It's a pretty simple question. Do I want to move forward in my relationship with God? Whether you're the, hey, I set five goals for the year, or you know what, I'm not a big goal setter. Doesn't matter where you are, like for you, whether you are a person of faith now, you're kind of, doesn't matter where you are, that this is a simple question that every single one of us can relate to and, and probably would be good to think about. Do I want to move forward in my relationship with God? And before we quickly kind of answer yes, because we're in church and we think that's kind of the thing you're supposed to think in church, there's really a couple other questions, because this is a, a pretty big question and it's kind of a, a foggy question. I mean, it's not super detailed, like what does that actually mean? And so before we answer this big question, there's a couple other questions that I think are important to answer before we can even answer this one, at least honestly. And, and here, here's one of them. What am I moving forward to? Like, like if I'm going to move forward in my relationship with God, does like moving forward to that mean I become like a nun or a priest? Like what's the end game? What's the goal? Well, what, before I can say yes or no, I need to kind of know what the target is. What does moving forward look like? And then, then here, here's the second question. How do I move forward? But before I can say for sure yes or for sure no, I, I need to know, like, how do I move forward? D does that mean that I, I have to join something? It, do I need to write somebody a check? Is there some Kool-Aid that I need to drink to, in order to do this? Like, what's the process of moving forward? Two great questions that before we can really answer that first big question, we really need to know the answer to these two. And there's a guy that, that we've talked about here at church, and even if you didn't grow up in church, you probably heard of this guy. His name is Paul. And Paul, he, he writes about these two questions, and he answers these two questions with some of his writings, but also with his own story. And Paul, he, he, he wrote a lot of our New Testament, and there's a couple passages I want us to look at this morning as we answer the big question by first answering a couple smaller questions. And that first question that I want us to think about is this, what am I moving forward to? And Paul, he says this, if you have your Bible, or it'll be up on the screen, he wrote a little letter to uh, some people in Rome, and in that letter, he says this, and he gives us some real insight to the answer to that question. And, and here's what he says. He says, for those he, speaking of God, foreknew, he also predestined, which basically means he planned from eternity, he predestined, 
to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So this verse says, hey, that, that those that God foreknew that he predestined, that he before eternity passed, he, he decided, he made a decision. He says that the people that would start a relationship with his son, the people that would follow Jesus, God says, hey, before eternity passed, I, I made a decision that I wanted people that followed my son Jesus to become more like him. And the goal, I want the goal of their life to be that they become more like Jesus. So we just celebrated Jesus' birth at Christmas. We celebrated Jesus coming into the earth. And, and, and we know this is, this is God's son born as a man. We, we talked a lot about that. And, and you, again, whether you're a person of faith or not, you, you saw some of that during the Christmas season. Well, that baby grew up. That baby lived 33 years. He died on the cross. He rose from the grave. And, and, and God says, and Paul's writing, he says, hey, those that start a relationship with God's son, Jesus, the goal for their life, what I want to see happen in their life, what moving forward looks like, is them looking more like my son, Jesus. It's, it's what brings glory to God, and it's actually what's best for each one of them. I'm reading this book, uh, this book about Nick Saban. And so if you're a football fan at all, uh, if you're a college football fan, you know that Nick Saban is the coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide. And he's arguably the greatest college football coach in history. He's, he's at least one of them, if not the greatest. And one of the things that I love about this book, and I love this book, I'm almost done with it, it's been a really good read, is one of the things that Nick spends a lot of time on, and one of the things that makes his program so special, is he does a really good job at recruiting great athletes. He spends a lot of his time recruiting athletes to come to his school and play and be a part of his program. And so he spends, he'll go to different people's houses. He'll sit down with parents and athletes. He'll talk to them and give them that opportunity to join the Alabama Crimson Tide, their football team, and be a part of their program. And it has a great reputation, so a lot of people want to be part of it. But here's what he doesn't do. He doesn't go to their house when he's trying to recruit them. He doesn't bring a gun with him or uh, some type of weapon and, and basically threaten them that, hey, you have to sign on the dotted line. He doesn't twist their arm or, you know, to make them. In fact, he, he makes it very clear. He, he doesn't even promise them a position, a starting position. Like when they, when they join his program, it's 100% volunteer. Like you don't, he's not doing anything to manipulate them or make them say yes. They do that on their own. But once they say yes, what they do is they enter in and they literally call it the process. They call it the, uh, the process. It's what that team does uniquely and what, how he trains his players, how he builds his team. And that young man is going to join in voluntarily into this process. And when they join in this process, they, it is really, really good for them. And it's really, really good for the team. And his teams are incredible. 
But it all started with them saying yes. But once they said yes, there was a process they entered that made them better and made the team better. In in the world of following Jesus, we call the process sanctification. It's a process that when we say yes to Jesus, we start a process of the big Bible word sanctification, which basically means becoming more like Jesus. And and just like those players on, on his team, it's good for them and it's good for the team when they enter the process. When we enter this process of sanctification and becoming more like Jesus, even though there's times that are challenging, it's actually what is best for us and it brings most glory to God. And so Paul, as he's writing to the Romans, he says, hey, God's goal for you, what he wants to see in your life, what moving forward looks like, is you becoming more like Jesus. And for Paul, he, in in the book of Philippians, he actually kind of personalized that idea for himself. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, here's what Paul says. He kind of took it from a something he was teaching to hear. Let me show you how this is applied in my life. He says this in, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. He says, my goal is to know him, Jesus, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Paul says, hey, my, my goal is I want to know Jesus. I don't want to know him the way you and I know about George Washington or Christopher Columbus, how we kind of know about them in our mind. Paul says, my goal is I want to know Jesus intimately. I, I want to know him and I want to reflect him to the world. I want to see the way that Jesus saw. I want to feel the way that Jesus felt. I want to respond the way that Jesus responded. I want to overcome the way Jesus overcame. I want to be more like Jesus, and I want to reflect Jesus to the world. Paul says, I want to know him. And so let me ask you a question. As we think about this idea of what does it look like to move forward? Like at the end of this year, when the clock turns and we enter the next year, are you okay and would you be fulfilled if the only goal you hit was that you look more like Jesus than you do right now? Let me ask you this, if you're a parent, you're a grandparent, what if your kid didn't make the team this year? What if your kid didn't make the grade this year? What if your kid didn't whatever award you want them to win, but at the end of this year, they looked a lot more like Jesus? Would you be okay with that? Of course, in church, we're going to nod our head. Yes. But but really, like if that's it, if there's no worldly accolades, there's no special, like they just look a lot more like Jesus at the end of the year than they do right now. Is that okay? Am I okay with my kids this year if they, if they don't accomplish anything? And it's not like, I'm not saying lower the bar for them. Don't hear me saying what I'm not saying. But, but if, if the, the thing that happened to them this year is that they looked more like Jesus by the end of this year, would that be enough? And, and for some, if we're honest, we could say yes. For some, we're like, yes, but I'd like them to also make the travel team and do this and do that and do that and that. And then if they do all that, then we're really happy. But we definitely add Jesus to the pot. 
Paul says this. He says, my goal, what I'm about, what I want to see accomplished in my life, is I want to look more like Jesus. I want to know Jesus, and I want to reflect Jesus. But then what Paul does is in the the next few verses, Paul, he, he kind of talks about his goal and what he's moving towards, but then he kind of talks through how. Like, how do I move forward towards that? And Paul kind of walks through his process a little bit. And his process, it starts with something very practical, and it starts with considering or reflecting. He says this, in Philippians chapter 3, just a few verses before verse 10, he says this, he says, but everything that was gained to me, everything that mattered to me, everything I valued, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and considered them as dung. Basically, what goes in the toilet? So that I may gain Christ. See, Paul, he he did something here that, that you and I do pretty regularly. And here's what he did. He reflected on value. And you and I, whether we know it or not, and actually we do this without even thinking. If you're watching online, you've probably done this today just like I have. We reflect on value, the value of something based on our knowledge. We do that all the time. You look at a shirt and you say, that's valuable to me and that's this valuable to me. You, have, you look at a meal and you value that meal based on what you know. You, you look at an accomplishment in life and you place a certain value on that accomplishment based on what you know. We do it all the time. If you were, and you'll remember this, some of you that kind of grew up when I did, remember when you were a kid and it, Friday lunch at a public school. And I think we got a picture of it. This was the greatest lunch of all time that you look forward to all week long. I remember, like on Friday at my public school, you got this this plate, basically. You got this this magical piece of pizza. And you you weren't really concerned about all this other stuff. What got you excited was this piece of pizza. It made your day. It's what you look forward to. It's why you woke up on Fridays to go to school. Because, man, this was going to be on the plate. You got in line. You wanted to be in line first. Because of what was going to be, you know, you were going to get to take part of. But, 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 and that was third grade or second grade for you. But then you grew up. And here's what I promise you have never done. You have never, since you've grown up, on the night that you say, you know what, I'm in the mood for pizza. Oh, it's family, let's fam, maybe even have a family pizza night. You have never went on Google and figured out, hey, how can we get our hands on some of this for pizza night? Of course you haven't, because you know a lot more now. And, and this is trash compared to what you, if you're, a, I'm sorry if you're a lunch lady and you're, this is like your favorite meal, uh, but, but compared, so you don't. And it's not because this was terrible back then, it's because you know a lot more now. And so because you know more, you value this less than you did when you were in third grade, because you know there's a lot better pizza out there. 
And as Paul is writing, part of Paul's process of becoming more like Jesus was taking time to consider and reflect on the past. See, for Paul, in his past, he placed great value on trying to impress people and God. And for Paul, back the knowledge that he had back then, like that was where it was at. And basically what he's saying is, hey, I've taken some time to reflect on my past and to really consider how valuable that really was based on what I know now. And as he considered and he reflected, he says this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 4, he says, Although I have reason for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Basically, Paul's saying, like, if there's an Impress God award, I get it. I, nobody's resume is my resume. If there's a reward for that, I'm the guy. Because I, I was just flat impressive in my old days. And, and he shares a little bit of what was important back then. He says, circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, regarding the law of Pharisee, regarding zeal persecuting the church, regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless, pure-blooded Jew. Basically, he says, back in the day, I placed a lot of stock in my heritage, and I was from the tribe of Benjamin. That's the tribe that King David, like the, the king, or, or King Saul, the first king of Israel came from. That, that was a really respected tribe. I was a Pharisee. Man, a Pharisee was the strictest religious sect. Like the rules weren't good enough for them. They actually took the rules and added more rules to them. They were the most strict religiously. And he says, I was a part of that. I was actually an all-star in that. He says, man, I persecuted the church, man. I was zealous. Anybody that stood up against me, anybody that stood up against our way, man, I've moved them out of the way. He said that this is what was important to me. I even killed people that disagreed with what I believed in. And he says, man, I was blameless. I was, man, there was, based on the type of life that Paul valued, he lived that life perfectly. Nobody could say anything about him. He had it together. He made straight A's. But then what he says is, you know what? What I thought was so important back then, like living a certain way, trying to impress God with my life and trying to impress others and, and keeping rules and, and thinking that if I kept those rules, I got more favor with God and looking down on people that couldn't keep the rules like me. He said, that, that's what was most important to me. But now, as I get to know Jesus, I look at that as sewage. That's how valuable it is. Now, now, now what I know, I look at that, and he says, he uses the word dung. It's like a cow patty. It's what you find in the sewer. I mean, it's, it's actually a very offensive word that you shouldn't say in church. To talk about, I mean, it's, it's bad. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, what I valued as I reflected, as I considered, I look now at that and I see that, man, that was so awful, what I gave my life to. See, if we're not willing to consider and reflect on what was valuable to us in the past, what we gave our life to, it's very unlikely that we'll ever move forward. 
Because some of us, honestly, we won't even be honest about the past. We won't even be honest. We won't even face it. And so how am I going to become more like Jesus? And how am I going to move forward if, man, I'm not even willing? Because back in the day, all we did, we just compared ourselves to other people and that made us okay. And Paul said, man, part of the process of me knowing Jesus and really reflecting him was I had to consider, I had to reflect and really compare now what I know about Jesus with what was so valuable to me. I just need to be honest about it. But then he goes on and he says, not only did I consider and reflect, but then he says this, he says, I forget Philippians 3 says this, he says, not that I have already reached the goal or I'm already perfect. Paul's saying, you know what, I'm, I still got a long way to go, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. And then he says this, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. So Paul, for him, what what starts with just considering and, and reflecting and being honest about the past and being honest about failures and even successes... When he, when he was willing to take a hard look at that, it allowed him then to move on and say, okay, I'm going to forget them. And obviously, forget doesn't mean like you can't remember it. Well, well forget, when the Bible talks about forget, it means to no longer be influenced or affected by it. And so for, for Paul, he had to do a couple things. And you'll relate, some of you. First thing he had to do was he had to forget about some failures, like if you, if you know Paul's story, like there was a time in his life that when he entered a city, dads were taken away from their families and put in jail. Some dads were killed. Like he had some things in his past that, man, if he was, I mean, could have just overwhelmed him. And for him to move forward, he had to forget about those failures. And again, it was, man, some tough things. But for Paul, he, he also had to forget about some successes. See, at this point, when Paul's writing this, he's been following Jesus for 30 years. He's, he's helped start several churches around the world. He's led many people to follow Jesus. I mean, he's written part of the Bible that we hold in our hand. Like, he's done all that in the last 30 years. And yet, for him, he understood the need and power of forgetting you see this in, in a bad way. You see it in the church world all the time. You have people that, man, they kind of live on what happened a year ago or even 10 years ago, and they allow what they were a part of a year ago or 10 years ago to justify their apathy today. And, and so they, you know what, hey, 10 years ago I was this, and I was close to God and all that, and it, it almost, they almost point back to that as a, a reason for their lack of like following Jesus now. And, and oh yeah, I was, I was, I was involved there. And, and, and instead of no, Paul said it was never about the accomplishments. It was all about the goal of knowing Jesus. So yeah, the accomplishments happened. The church has started. The Bible was written, all this stuff. And that's great. But for Paul, he was never satisfied because it was never about the accomplishments. 
It was all about, I need to know Jesus. I want to know and reflect Jesus. For some, some of us, like, we never get to that part because we're not willing to forget. We allow our past failures to hold us back from knowing Jesus today. We allow our past successes, like, oh, I did that and I was a part of that, to hold us back from leaning in today. Almost like we, we've already been to school. We've already done that. Paul, if, if anybody like, could justify taking a season or two off, Paul is the guy. If anybody could be like, you know what, I'm just going to kind of coast the rest of my life. Paul, like, okay, Paul, you, you go, dude. We get it. You've been beat up for Jesus. You've been like all kind of craziness has happened to you. You've written part of the Bible. I mean, yes, take some time off. You probably know Jesus as good as any of us anyway, so chill. But Paul is like, no, I just can't do that. To the end of his life, if you read 2 Timothy, you'll see when he's literally sitting in a prison cell waiting for someone to come to his prison cell to take him outside the city and cut his head off. He's writing a letter and he's asking for books, for parts of the Bible. So, hey, until I go, I just want to keep growing. I still want to know Jesus better. So for Paul, it started with this idea of man considering and reflecting, but then it kind of moved towards this forgetting and not allowing the past to have power on the future. But then he kind of closes his section by talking about the last thing that he does, and you already saw it in the verse, it's, he presses. Verse 13, he says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do... I forget what's behind, and I reach forward to what is ahead. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. For Paul, he, he had a, like an athletic mind. So he was super familiar with like the Greek games and what went on in athletics back then. And so as Paul's writing, and he, when he talks about forgetting what's behind and, and straining or pursuing the goal. He's thinking of an athlete. Back then, the, most of the races, there wasn't like a, they didn't usually run around a track. What they would do is they would run straight to something and then they would turn around and run straight back. So when Paul's describing this idea of, hey, man, I'm, I'm pressing, I'm moving towards the goal. He's, he's picturing an athlete that has muscles that are straining, that has clear focus, and and is very dedicated, and is moving with clarity towards something, and doing it with a lot of effort. It's trying hard. And for Paul, he understood this. He understood that as God worked in him, as God renewed him on the inside, it would lead to God working through him on the outside. So for Paul, it was never about, as an older person, it was never about, hey, I'm doing this work and I'm, I'm straining and I'm, I'm giving effort so that I can earn favor from God. It was like, no, I already have favor. I already have unconditional love. And so from a place of unconditional acceptance and love, I'm moving towards this goal. Not for love, but because of love. I, I like how Dallas Willard says it, and you may have heard this quote before. He says it this way. He says, grace is not opposed to effort. 
It is opposed to earning. Earning is an attitude. Effort is an action. See, for Paul, he loved Christ above all. And it's why from a place of love and acceptance, he pressed forward. He worked hard. He worked long days and long nights, at times in terrible, even dangerous circumstances, not to earn Jesus' love and acceptance, but because he already had it. He wanted others to know. He wanted to use his life as Jesus used his life. He wanted to be like Jesus, and he wanted to reflect him to the world. And to the very end of Paul's life, and I would, I would encourage you to read 2 Timothy and, and read the, the back end of that book. And you'll literally see the last words that Paul ever wrote, maybe days before he was actually killed. You, you'll see what was on his mind. Because to the very end of Paul's life, he had this desire to move forward by knowing Jesus and reflecting him to the world. Which leads us back to the very first question I ask you. Here, here's that question. Do I want to move forward in my relationship with God? And again, there, there's no pressure. No one's twisting anybody's arm. It's just a personal question. That whether you're watching online or whether you're here this morning, it's just a personal question. That, that, that each of us we can pretend not to answer, but we're, we're going to answer it. So just let's, let's just be honest about our answer. So maybe for you, you say, no. And that's okay. That's, that's you, between you and God. And maybe you're like, man, I'm at a place in my life where I'm good. I'm good. And, and so the idea of, of moving forward in my relationship with God, the idea of becoming more like Jesus and reflecting him to the world, that's just not something I'm interested in this year. I'm, I'm good where I'm at. And, and, and no, no, there's no shame. You, that's between you and God. Or maybe you would say, you know what? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I don't totally know, Chris, know what it looks like. I, I don't know what that all means specifically in my life over this next year. But, but if you were to ask me that question and I was to really think about it, yes. Like by the end of this year, if I could look more like Jesus and I could reflect Jesus in my attitudes and my actions to the world, yeah, I, I would want that. And if, if you answered yes, and, then there's a couple things that, man, just a couple practical steps. The, the first one is this, start a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're watching online or you're here this morning and you'd say, yes, I, I want to have this. But for me, Chris, I've, I've never taken that step to start a relationship with Jesus. And so for you, that's kind of the starting point. It's that place where you, you kind of come and say, God, I admit to you that I've done things my way. I've, I've sinned. I've disobeyed you. I admit that, God. And God, I believe that you sent Jesus your son to die on the cross and raise from the dead. I, I believe that he did that for me. He paid for my sin. I believe that. And then you just ask, God, God I, based on what I believe, would you just come into my life? I want a relationship with you. I, I want to be transformed. And, and that's a starting point. And if you've never done that, if you're online or you're here this morning, that would, that's the best place to start. 
But if you've already made that decision, and I know a lot of you already have, then then the, the second thing, it's like, this isn't going to be a rocket. So you're, not gonna, you're not about to have a light bulb come on when I put this next slide up. It's not like, oh, I've never thought of that. Here, here's the second thing you can do. Grow in your relationship with Jesus. You're like, wow, you're brilliant. I always knew you were a brilliant pastor. Man, that's so new. I never thought of that. No, grow. Again, it's, as I'm putting this together this week, I was just like, one plus one equals two. Like, this is not rocket science. It's not always easy, and there's challenges because we have an enemy, but it's not rocket science. And so how do I grow in my relationship with Jesus? There's a few things, real practical. The first one is this. Spend time in his word. Take time out of your schedule on a regular basis and spend time in God's word. This, this next season for our church, over this next quarter, we're going to be starting to go through a, next week, starting next Sunday, we're going to start through about a 12-week series in the book of Nehemiah. And, and a tool that we're providing, actually for $5 we're providing it, is we have, and I've already started this, in fact, this one's, this one's mine, it's a 15-week devotional through the book of Nehemiah. And I'm on about, I've already done two or three of the lessons, and I've told a few people this. Outside of just reading my Bible without any devotional, this is the best devotional that I've ever personally gotten involved with. And so this is a practical tool. Whether you're somebody that's like, I'm not even sure what I believe about Jesus yet, or you're like, man, I've been following Jesus, reading my Bible for 40 years. This is an awesome tool. And it will allow you to kind of connect with what we're going to be teaching on Sunday. It will also allow you to connect a little better with some of the questions in our small groups. And so we got about, I ordered about 90 of these. They're five bucks a piece. You can get them on the way out if it's something that would help you. I encourage you to do it. Uh, I thought about, honestly, I thought about giving them away for free. But then I thought, you know what? We paid five bucks for them. And if it doesn't cost anything, it's not worth anything. And so if it's an investment of five bucks, I think... It's worth the five bucks. And so that's one. But, but you don't need this. If, if you're like, no, I'm, I'm already doing Spend time in God's word. If, if you want to, by the end of this year, you want to be more like Jesus than you are now, take time on a regular basis, whether it's with this tool or another tool, and get in God's word. Second thing, and again, not rockets. This isn't another one. It's not going to be rocket science. Spend time in community with other Jesus followers. Get, get into a city group. If you're, if, you're, if you're a student, get involved in a youth group. Because there's something about getting with other people that are following Jesus that we need. And that is such a tremendous way that God uses to help us grow to be more like his son when we do it with other people. Right now I'm listening to... Uh, uh, the Matthew Perry's biography, autobiography, I guess. And Matthew Perry, if you, you probably know, obviously he's, he was one of the stars of Friends. Been a movie star for a lot of years. He's in his 50s now. He's had a tremendous, tremendous battle for decades with addiction. And he's very honest and raw in this book about it. As I've been listening to this book, I, I watched an interview because I'm like, I want to just hear some of the things he's been saying in interviews. So I was watching an interview that he did, and the interviewer asked him something that I thought was just so insightful, and I was so thankful for his honesty. 
the interviewer said this. They said, Matthew, you're doing good now. You're, you know, you've been to rehab several times, and he's on a, he seems to be doing really well. And he's, he waited to even write this book because he didn't want to like, be in a spot where he was still work, you know, struggling through stuff. But the interviewer said, hey, Matthew, how will we know if you're starting to struggle again? Like, are there any signs that we'll see if you are starting to struggle? And he thought about it for a second. And then he said this. He said, if I start to tell people, I'm just going to go home and be by myself tonight. That's when you know I'm struggling. And, and here's what I thought. When we are alone, we're dangerous. You very rarely make a life-altering, terrible decision in a group of seven to ten other Jesus followers. But when we're alone, just look throughout Scripture. Devastating consequences when people start to isolate themselves. And the enemy, man, the enemy would, would tell us, hey, man, you don't need that or you'll get in that later. And, and it's a lifeline. That's why I tell people all the time, if you only have one hour a week to give to church, don't come on Sunday morning. Go to small group. Obviously, I hope you, I think you should come to both. I think both are good for you, but man, go to a group. And if you don't like any of our groups or our church, no problem. Find one. Go somewhere. Get in a circle with people that see you every week and allow God to use you and, and God to use them to sharpen and make you and them more like Jesus. It's incredible. So spend time in community. If you're a student, if you're a young adult, this isn't for grown-ups. It's for you too. Be a youth group. Get into a small group. Lori and I, were, we, we just... Uh, decided a couple days ago, we're going to start a small group for 18 to 23-year-olds at our house. Because we felt like in our church, that's an age group that's just, there's not a place for them right now. There's not a small group for them right now. I mean, they can go to all the groups, but, but man, we wanted to start one specifically for them. And so we're, we thought, you know what, we probably need somebody younger to help us with that. But then Lori and I thought, you know what? No, that's God's calling us to do this. So we're going to do it. And I'm going to press you if you're 18 to 23 to get to my house on Sunday nights because you need it. And I need it. Get in a group. Then the last thing, again, rocket science, serve others. There, there's something about serving people. That, and, and you've experienced this over the years if you've been around this type of thing. There's something about how God uses you trying to help somebody else to actually help you more. Like, like you get on a team and you start serving somebody and you, or you're starting to invest in children or, or students and you're, you're doing it for them. And God's like, yeah, it's actually more for you than for them. And you might be sitting there and you say, hold up, Chris. It seems like you're kind of going in the back door trying to push people to take steps to get more involved at CityWalk. And if it seems that way, I'm being misrepresented because I'm not trying to go in the back door. I'm trying to go in the front door and make very clear that if you're not involved, get involved. And here's why. Because I know a lot of your stories. We've, me and you, we've had a lot of conversations, some of us. 
And you've told me about how God has transformed your life, and I've watched it. And one of the things that I've seen in every single story, the catalyst to that happening has been one of two things, or both. God's Word and connecting with other believers. In every single story, every story that you've shared, every conversation that we've had, and I've told you some of my stories and how what God's done in our family, and every single one of those stories, what God used to help me become more like Jesus and you to become more like Jesus and your family to become more like Jesus is His Word and community, either on a team or in a group. It's what you've told me. It's why you've, you've, you've prayed that your so-and-so would get into a group or why you've prayed that your kid would start to come to youth group and then we've rejoiced when God's done that. And so I want to encourage you. Man, take a step. Because God wants to use this year to make you more like Jesus. And we shouldn't be surprised how he does it. Because if you were to look back in the book of Acts, guess what God used to help people become more like Jesus? His word and community. His word and other believers. Read all through the New Testament. It's not like, hey, in Acts, God did it this way. And then in Ephesians, he did it this way. It's like, no, every single book, it's the same. God used his word and he used connection with other believers to, to, to do transformation in people's hearts. It's what he's using. And so here's what I'm asking you to do. If you're, whether you're somebody that's following Jesus or maybe you're like, I'm not even quite sure what I believe. I'm asking you, take a step. Take a step. Help your family take a step. And just trust God that, God, we're, we're going to put ourselves kind of under the faucet of your word and community. And we're asking you to do in our hearts and our kids' hearts and the people we love. We're asking you to do what we couldn't do and transform. And so I don't, I don't know, and I, I think I said this earlier, I don't know exactly what God wants to do in your life. You don't know what God wants to do in my life this year. But, but I'm confident that he wants to work in your life and that he wants to work in my life and in my family's life. And I don't know what he's laying on your heart right now. I don't know if he's laying something specific, a specific step you can take. But whatever he's encouraging you to do, I would encourage you to take that step because you will not regret saying yes to God. I promise you're not going to lay on your deathbed and say, man, I wish I would have rejected God. Man, I wish I would have stopped doing what he asked me to do. It's just not going to happen. And so this year, I'd encourage you to take a step. Let's pray. Lord, we're, we're so thankful for your word and, Lord, just the honesty of even the Apostle Paul and his writings. And he was a guy that, Lord, you know way better than us, man. He, he had a rowdy beginning. He struggled. He valued the wrong things. But then he met you. And you transformed him. You turned a, a murderer and a Pharisee 
and a person who lived his life to impress people and you, you turned him into a, just an intimate friend of you. And Lord, I pray for each of us. I pray for my own self. I pray for my kids. Lord, that this year that you would work in our hearts and that you would give us just clarity. Lord, you're not trying to confuse anybody. Just give us clarity of what you want us to do. What you're saying to each of us individually. And Lord, I pray that this year that we would take the step. And that as we take a step to follow you in a different way or in a, a, a bigger way or getting into whether it's a group or something that hasn't even been mentioned today, Lord, I pray that you would use it to make us more like your son. In Jesus' name, amen.